Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of the Cardiac and Kids Cleveland Sports Podcast, members of the Pulse Podcast Network. We are getting back to the basics today. We are talking all things Cavs, Indians, Buckeyes, talking Browns. We've been doing a lot of NFL, but we're switching it back up. We also ranting about uh, video games for a little bit. So great show for you guys today. Make sure you stick around. And without any further ado, let's get it on. Have you been searching for the best ticket deals around? Well, look no further. With Tick Splits, the price you see is the price you pay. Tick Splits happens to have over $6 billion in ticket inventory just waiting for you. And they absolutely mean it when they say every ticket, every venue, everywhere. You can save even more money when you use the promo code PULSE in all caps and save you 5% off your total purchase. Just go to TickSplits.com and click the search bar. Search events based in your area, pick the show you want, and bam, it's showtime. Sporting events, Broadway shows, concerts, and more with TickSplits.com. And while you're there, make sure to sign up for the email newsletter so you can stay updated with the latest news and savings with TickSplits. That's TickSplits.com, T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z, every ticket, every venue, everywhere. And we are back, episode 9. Lots of NFL talk the last couple of episodes. We're getting back to our usual format this week. March Madness. It's, uh, it's madness. It, it's madness indeed. Almost had a repeat of Virginia last year, losing to a 16 seed. Luckily, they are able to escape that that depth of hellness that would have befallen them should that have happened again. Do you think if Virginia lost again, Tony Bennett would still have a head coaching job in the NCAA? Uh, losing, he shouldn't. Yeah, no, losing twice <laughs> to the number sixteen when it had never happened years prior. That yeah, that that would have been absolutely ridiculous. And when I when I uh, was kind of following along with it, and they were down, you know, starting oh, you know, yeah. with what nine minutes left, they're down by. 10 points or something like that going into the yeah the still in the first half, half so. yeah oh it was in the first half it was in the first half they were down i think it got down to like 12 or 13 or maybe even up to like 14 or 15 but they ended up pulling away and yeah they, they, they saved it they had uh ended up winning by a nice margin so they were able to avoid that but a lot of other madness happening already got a couple not full-on bracket busters but a couple surprises early on uh, a couple upsets happening. Uh, Mark, I'll let you take it away. What's yeah. What's going on? <clears throat> so my biggest bracket buster, I, I was really high on Nevada. The Martin brothers are very good seniors. I uh, had a lot of experience in the tournament. I had them actually making it to the Elite Eight. I had them upsetting Michigan and Buffalo, and uh, they lost to Florida. So that was really a big kick in the groin there. Um I also had Belmont making it to the Sweet 16, and uh, Maryland barely survived them. So wow. that that also was pretty rough as well. But uh, the big, I think the big uh, upset so far is UC Irvine beating Kansas State today. And actually, while we're sitting here watching it, Oregon looks like they're going to beat Wisconsin. They're up 19 with two minutes left. So looks like a 12 seed is going to beat number five here. 
Yeah. Uh, speaking of upsets, my uh, I'm, I'm calling this my team for this tournament, even though I don't have them going very far. Okay. It was a team that I, I, I solely liked because of the name. It sounded kind of funny, and that's Wofford. Oh, yeah. I, um, I had them beaten Seton Hall, which, I mean, that, they were the yeah, higher seed in that, so that wasn't a surprise. But I have them beating Kentucky. So do I. All right. So well, do I. I'm a, I'm a big Wolford guy. Really? Okay. For, as I, of as of uh, yesterday when I, or two days ago when I filled my bracket out. So yeah. Yeah, we had a a guess the the mascot game going on with it, and I had no idea. I think they're like the dogs or some some kind of dog. I think or it's something the like bulldogs. I, yeah, I think. I, yeah. I thought. See, I think there's a real missed op, missed opportunity there that they don't have something along the terriers. Along with, I like, think waffles. The, it was like the the Wofford Waffle Makers or something like that would have been awesome. They're the Terriers, not the Bulldogs. Oh, excuse okay. Me. Yeah. Okay. Knew I knew it was some kind of dog type of animal. Yeah. So, you know what was another big upset, but what, not really an upset. What's that? My boy, John Morant, triple double, first since Draymond Green did it back in 2012. Not only beating Marquette, but they destroyed Marquette. Now, did you get a uh, chance to catch any of that game? No, I didn't. And honestly, just go back and watch the highlights. Well, well, I I I, I did see some of the uh, John Morant highlights. Do you see that donkey out of? Yes, I, I did see that. I told you Westbrook, man, he's Westbrook. Mm-hmm. Well, I was kind of sad after that because I, I I forgot what school John Morant played for, and if I would have known he was Murray State, I probably actually would have picked them to win. Yeah, I just. Look, we don't really follow NCAA basketball really that much. It's it's a fun thing to do, but I go into it blind at least. Mark, you might have a little bit more knowledge on it, but yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, I do my research prior and I catch a few big games a year. Well, uh, and, but definitely you know much more into the professional stuff. And another thing is, last year I did all my brackets online, which when you do that, they give you all the information sure. as you're filling it out. And the pool we did, it's just filled out on paper. So I did absolutely no research. This was pure guessing. Oh yeah, that's how most of it is. It's you have like ten times the better luck to win the lottery than you mm-hmm. do to fill out a perfect bracket. So it, I mean, you know, we did it in our office, and the two leading brackets are both two women who probably never watched a college basketball game in their life. That's just how right. it is, you know. So, but yeah. Um, so, who do you who do you have making your final four though? Well, first off, I want to start by saying that my uh, it looks like my elite eight is still clean. Okay, pretty pretty crisp there. Um, only got three teams out in my sweet sixteen. So, while I have a couple losses on there, I don't have any complete bracket busters yet. So that's that, nice. that's that's good news for me there. Um, and my final four though. I am repping the Boomer Sooners, Oklahoma. Wow. Got them in the Final Four. Um, I got them facing Kansas, and then on the other other side, I got Duke facing Baylor, which I don't know why Baylor sounded good, but so it, you they have did. so you have Duke, who's a number one. Mm-hmm. You have two number nine seeds in Oklahoma and Baylor, and yep. then you have a number four seed in Kansas. You heard it here first. That's bold. That's bold as hell. I love it. Yeah, I did. You know what? After the first set of brackets, I 
wasn't even paying attention to the seating. So okay. which is like the best indication I guess you can kind of get of your best loose gauging of how good teams are. But no, I just I just kind of winged it. That's where I ended up. Hmm. And I'm sticking with it. Okay. I, I, I like it. What do you got? So I have Duke as well. Um, I have them facing off against ACC foe Florida State down in the west bracket. On the other side, I have Tennessee taking on the third ACC team, North Carolina. Okay. So not as bold as yours, definitely, but I feel like Tennessee being a number two seed and Florida State being a four seed, I think they're going to knock off Gonzaga. I think they're too athletic for Gonzaga, Mm -hmm. and they have a lot of size as well. So I think that could give Gonzaga some trouble. Um, Obviously, Duke is the overwhelming favorite. I do have them beating Florida State. I have them taking on Tennessee in the finals. So, So what do you got? Yeah, I got a. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not repping the the Boomer Sooners too far. I, I have them losing to Kansas, and then, I mean, the next one's kind of easy. I got Duke beating Baylor. Sure. Okay. And I think like ninety five percent of anybody who filled out brackets, I got Duke winning it all. Yep. Same how, here. I mean, how can you not? They got the you know three of the top players, and all of college basketball right now. So now I mean they got their own big three in yeah. college. I mean, what what are you gonna do with that? So I, I yeah, I have Tennessee uh losing to Duke by final score. I have Duke sixty eight, Tennessee sixty two. Now Oh, I didn't fill out scores. Nah, it's okay. So here's here's a question I have. Okay. If you did not fill out a bracket, you're just a fan what do you? What's a matchup that you hope to see? Because personally, I would love to see Murray State make a run into the Final Four and have a Ja Morant versus Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett square off. I think that'd be pretty badass to see probably the top three picks in the NBA draft, possibly top four with Reddish, squaring off all against each other. See, see the magic that Ja could stir up there. Um, I think for me... And this this isn't based on players. This is based on a friend I had in high school who was a big Purdue fan. For whatever reason, I don't know why he was a Purdue fan. I this, he was way more into it than I was, but he was he was a good guy, funny guy, a good rest friend in, of mine. Rest in peace. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. No, he's he's not dead. <laughs> but you know what? He had a receding hairline in high school, so maybe he uh, is. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. Uh, I'd like to see Purdue make it all the way. Really, hmm. I'd like to see them, okay. you know, make that push. It'd be that would just be kind of like a cool. Uh, I don't want to call it Easter egg, but something along those lines, just like a cool little tidbit, something yeah. cool to see. Sure, so, right. Keep an eye out. Also, Jarrett Culver for Texas Tech. He had a great game today. Uh, he's going to probably be a top 10 draft pick, but with a stock rising, he's going to probably move up into that top six, top seven range. He had a great, again, great game today and he'll be uh, leading Texas tech against Buffalo in the second round. So that, that'll be a great matchup. Yeah. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on as well. And then I, 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 we both picked it, but Wofford taking on Kentucky, that could be uh, definitely an upset as well. uh, Wofford has the, uh, a player who has the most three pointers in NCAA history. Yeah, I saw that when I when I was uh, when I when I saw Wofford, you know, won the first game. It was the biggest story about it mm-hmm. was that dude just 
lighten it up from the three-point line. So yeah. And if he can, can continue to do that, that's that's where the game is going these days. So. Yeah, and Kentucky's pretty shaky against the three. They're pretty hit or miss okay. on the defensive end. So, uh, yeah, watch for that. That could be an upset definitely brewing there. All right, so we talked some March Madness. Now we're going to talk your Cleveland Cavaliers. Mark, what's going on with the team? Guy from college last year that's really uh, the last few weeks or so taking the NBA by storm is Colin Sexton. Moving into yeah. some Cavs talk. I mean, man, 20, 26.7 points per game, uh, almost three assists and two boards this past week. And he's shooting 60% from the field and 65% from threes this past week. Yeah, Talk about improvement. He's been playing really, really well as of late. He set the Cavs franchise record for uh, uh, points or scoring 23 points or more in a streak of, I believe it was seven games. Yeah, six believe, or seven games, something like that. I believe he hit uh, the most three pointers as a rookie for in Cavaliers history. He just took that over from Kyrie as well. Yeah, I mean, you could you can make a record out of anything now. I, I feel like yeah, they just sure. pull s- s- such a weird combination of statistics sometimes to say, oh, this guy broke this record. But I mean, was that really technically like a record before? Yeah. But still, he 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 has been playing really really well as of late. Like you said, I mean, averaging almost 27 points a game. Now, he's not moving the ball as much as you would like your point guard to do. I don't think he'll ever be that guy. And I agree. I think maybe that's what they had in mind when they first got him. But if they want him to stick on this trajectory, they need to try to not stick a round peg in a square hole or vice versa, I think. Sure. No, I get it. Yeah. um, Let him do his thing. Let him be an attacker. Let him be a scorer. Let him do what he's he's good at, and then you can bring in, you know, maybe Ja Morant will be a better point guard. I mean, he can score too, but I don't know about his playmaking ability. I mean, he had, a, another... he had, what, 15, 16 assists in the opening round? So, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah, with Sexton, it's he's in a tough spot, even though he has improved. It's going to be tough to find him in a NBA type of role because I feel like even with guys who are uh, scoring point guards, Curry, Harden, mm-hmm. uh, Westbrook, they all can impact the game elsewhere, though. Right. Assist, you know, uh, defense, however it may be. Sexton's all right on defense as well, don't get me wrong, but uh, Sexton really needs to improve his passing ability if he wants to be a starter and i don't think it's a terrible thing if he becomes say a lou williams six man off the bench puts up 20 plus a game uh you know you already called it six man of the year at some point so yeah right well fingers crossed there right um so yeah i mean and then with him and i mean we've talked about him a bunch already jetty osman just showing just leaps and bounds of just different improvements over the uh, course of the season. Uh, he just needs to get more consistent. Definitely. Yeah, he, but he he's been solid at times. He's he's had his ups and downs. So uh, yeah, he'll like break out for twenty five points one game, right. and then the next he'll have five. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if Chetty keeps improving, Sexton keeps improving, that's a nice 
two young good players to have. You still need your superstar. You still need your go-to score. But uh, those two, I think, as a, just kind of the start of your foundation, could be a really nice uh, duo there for sure. Yeah, I agree. And you know, he could. Those two are you know guys that could stick around and be building pieces if they can nail the next two or three years of draft picks and at least get back to being at least relevant right. in that in that mix and a still even you know even weaker eastern conference so uh it, it'll be interesting to see how they use those guys going forward and what kind of role they have in this team as we either stay in this mediocre state or right. try to make a push to rise up again however it's not it's it's never going to be as quick as it was whenever you just throw lebron james on the team yeah right and instantly elevates it to championship contention that's just not going to happen again so it's got to be a slow build and i think those are a couple of guys who could stick around and be a part of that slow build so they could make a significant jump if they end up leaning zion because, I mean, Zion fits any system. He's athletic, strong. Uh, he seems like he's got a jump shot that's improving. So, I mean, throw him in with those other two, and I think we're great shape for the future. Um, yeah. Another, you know, a couple other guys like R.J. Barrett, I think would be a great fit next to Colin Sexton. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Cam Reddish would be a perfect spot-up shooter next to Sexton as well. With Sexton's ability to get to the basket, I think uh, if they – clamp down on him you have reddish wide open in the corner or on the wing um and then you know we always we have to remember too we have that houston rockets first round pick this year so a guy like tyler hero if he's there at you know the early to mid 20s wherever houston ends up mm-hmm. uh, i mean tyler hero's got pretty decent size he's 6'6 205 he's a pretty good three-point shooter yeah and i mean i love john moran as well I don't love the fit with Sexton, especially if Sexton continues to improve, because those are two guys that, um, now granted they're both athletic, neither of them have great size, however, so I don't know how I feel about starting two guys at six foot three, that are mostly ball dominant type of guys. Right, and I mean, like you said, he had he had the sixteen assists, but he also seems like a guy who's kind of more attack first. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh yeah, no, he definitely. Yeah. So he needs the ball in his hands, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But so does Sexton. So sure. I mean, if they do like Sexton and move him into that six-man role, I think Jaw would be great. I think Jaw is going to be a superstar. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I mean, shooting guards, I think the biggest need on this team, no I, doubt in my mind. And I think I think the biggest surprise about Sexton was his th- is his three-point shooting. I mean, oh, coming yeah. into the league, we know his thing was. He was even kind of compared to that Russell Westbrook type where he's a, an athletic, aggressive attacker of the basket, and he was going to drive to the paint. But that was his one question is, is he going to be able to shoot and have a consistent jump shot? And I think that's been very, very shocking, him shooting over 40% on the season. I mean, that's really good. He's number no. two among all rookies. Um, I don't have the number across the league, but... If you're if you're shooting over forty percent, I mean that's elite. Oh yeah, three point yeah, shooting, right? So it'll be. I wonder if he's going to be able to keep that up throughout his career. I hope so. If that's, I mean, ideally, the more you do it, 
the better you get at it. So I wonder if that's something where he's just going to keep improving or if he's just particularly hot right now and that's something where that's not going to stay around. So I, th- I think it's more just him improving, getting comfortable within the system, getting comfortable with the NBA game. Yeah. Uh, and from everything we've heard, he's a really, really hard worker as well. So I think even though he's been hot lately – He's. I don't think he's done by any means improving. So hopefully he continues. I mean, from what it looked like early on, could be a bust. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, okay, we might have a pretty good player. Mm-hmm. At worst, it seems like you're going to have a score-first point guard. And again, I, I'm going to probably keep hammering it until the draft. If we can land Ja Morant and have him as a keep Sexton as a six-man, I think that'd be great. Which I think is kind of one of the more likely options at this point because – well, isn't the top three, don't they get even odds? Yeah, it, the odds are different this year. So, I mean, as long as we have, like, a top four chance, mm-hmm. you know, we have – and I, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, so, I think the Suns are a great spot for Morant. I think, like, him and Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton would just be unbelievable to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but they – the Suns just signed Jimmer Fredette to a two-year deal. Oh, really? He was lighting it up overseas. Yeah. Right, He's so like that's pretty cool like to see. Sixty games. Oh yeah. Well, not every game, but he was having games. He was going where he, nuts. Yeah. You'd see a highlight: Jim Fredette scores eighty, shoots. Pretty cool though. 40 see him three pointers, but yeah. You know, I mean, he definitely busted out. Did, did not play as well as his draft position. No, not at all. You know, so I think he. Uh, it's nice to see him get a second chance for sure. I, I mean, I've always liked him. I mean. He had a song about him. You know, he was on top of the world at one point. Mm. So hopefully he battles back and at least make a nice little role, yeah. you know, with uh, the Suns. That'd be pretty cool to see. Yeah. And uh, just lastly, before we move on, talking about where the Cavs stand, they last I checked, they were down two games uh, to the Bulls, which would sit them right now in the third spot, The them climbing up to that fourth spot, I believe, behind the Bulls, who have two games on us. So... They got to be careful if they're trying to stay in that top three. Like I said, I don't know exactly. I thought it was like the top three have even odds, and then everything after that is like a, a decreased chance. Yeah, they just changed it up, so I'm not exactly sure what the you know exact formula is for that. Okay. Um, looking at it right now, though, the Cavs have the third least amount of wins. So they have 19, the Suns have 17, and the Knicks have 14. Uh, so, I mean – Maybe the Suns can catch us in that. I mean, they're two and a half games behind us. I, I kind of doubt it. Um, yeah, especially then, with us playing well right now, which is good but bad. Right. Um, and then the Bulls. It looks like it's like two and a half games. We're back or ahead of them. Yeah. So, so that's why I'm kind of I'm kind of worried about like catching up to them. Yeah. But. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, I mean, top three, top four chances. I mean, I'm I'm happy with that because if we can get a guy between Zion. Ja, RJ Barrett, or a guy like Cam Reddish, Jared Culver, somebody kind of in that range, I, I, I'd be pretty happy. All right, so I'm just going to read this real quick because uh, we're not sure about it. Um, so with this year with the draft system, last year the worst team couldn't end up with a pick lower than fourth. That has been uh, knocked up to fifth. Okay. Uh, the new system will level the odds at the top of the NBA draft lottery so that teams with the three worst regular season records will each have a 14% chance of winning the lottery. Oh, so okay. as long as we're in that, that top three, 
Right. We got an even chance, which is nice. Um, it said in the pre-2019 structure, the top seed had a 25% chance, and the second seed had a 19.9%, and the third had a 15 So they made it even this year. Okay. As gotcha. opposed to where it wasn't last year. So, But it also looks like it in- increases the chances of the other teams after that as sure. well. Okay. Gotcha. So very interesting. Very, yeah. very interesting. I would say at, at, at least if we have a top three top four type of so yeah team odds. team one through teams one through three got a 14 percent chance team four has a 12.5 percent chance and team five has a 10.5 percent chance okay and then yeah. it just kind of like goes down from there gotcha as you go on. so yeah let's go yeah right well <laughs> let, let, uh, let's I, get to, tonight uh, is game 73 so i got about nine games left on the schedule after mm-hmm. tonight so so don't screw it up yeah right All right, and that's going to do it for our basketball talk for the day. Stick around, and we will be back with some Cleveland Indians. First pitch hit high, hit deep to left, down the line it goes. It is gone. Over on the right side, Kipnis diving toward his left, has it, gets up, throws. He got him. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to left, away, back, gone. All right, so now we're going to switch up uh, gears here. We're going to talk a little bit about the Tribe. Uh, First big news is the Indians have signed outfielder Carlos Gonzalez, formerly of the Rockies and the Oakland Athletics. Uh, It's a minor league deal. Uh, Pretty much that just means he's going to be in the minors until he's ready and in shape. Uh, He has an out in his contract on 420. So pretty much if he's not promoted by then or we're not happy with his progress, we can move on from him. Um, I really like this move. I got to see him play in uh, his second year, I believe it was, in Colorado mm-hmm. uh, when I was out in Denver. Fell in love with his game. He is a great hitter. Uh, he's 33 years old, so he's a little little long in the tooth. But he's definitely a guy who I think can make an impact once he gets in shape and gets healthy. What, is he, um, uh, what does he play again? He's going to be a corner outfielder. Okay. Uh, so for us, he'll probably end up being a right fielder. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a pretty decent year last year. Uh, two, I believe it was around 278. Uh, now, Colorado is a more fr- uh, hitter-friendly ballpark, mm-hmm. but I think he'll be able to transition well into the American League. Sure. Uh not sure how his glove is going to hold up being as older or you know an older guy as he is uh but right now unless Hanley Ramirez really starts hitting we have a hole at DH even so I could see him sliding into a DH role if he's still good at hitting but not exactly uh a good fielder um but yeah no I really like this I mean we needed some type of bat in the outfield and we needed some experience in the outfield so I think Gonzalez could end up being a pretty nice piece for us uh, especially a guy who's been around the league a while, can maybe help a guy like Jake Bowers improve, a guy like Greg Allen, uh, even a guy like Jordan Leplo. So, no, nah, I really like this move. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, like you said, it just it just adds some experience, um, gives us that opportunity, you know, whenever he does get up to speed and everything, to have some some depth for that outfield, which we already know is kind of kind of shaky at the moment. Uh, you still have... You know, a couple guys I'll waiting on. Uh, oh, why is he escaping me now? Big tall guy. The the young guy who got hurt. 
who's been hurt. Oh, Zimmer. Uh, Zimmer. Oh, my God. I should know that. I worked for the Akron Rubber Ducks when he was down there. I yeah. should know this. But, yeah, so, what, you know, wait until Zimmer comes back. That's, you know, and hopefully when he comes back, he's good. But we'll get into that later. But, yeah, some some just extra depth uh, yeah. we could bring up in the outfield if needed for sure. Yeah, I think it will work out better uh, than, like, the Melky Cabrera. Now, Melky was fine last year, don't get me wrong, but I think Gonzalez is just just an overall better player. Uh, so it'll be nice. Hopefully Gonzalez is still a pretty good hitter for us. Um, so, you know, opening days not too uh, long away from us here, and they've been cutting the roster down. So Getting hyped. Yeah, Let's right. Go. Yeah, finally. Let's go, Tribe. So I'm, uh, I, I got my predictions here for the opening day roster. Um, so I'm just going to run down through these real quick here. Uh, today they actually optioned Eric Haas down to the Columbus Clippers, which is actually what I had. I had mm-hmm. them keeping Roberto Perez and Kevin Plawecki. Makes sense. Uh, Haas is a year younger than Plawecki and a few years younger than Perez. Uh, but Haas is definitely going to be the first guy up if there is an injury. Uh, Carlos Santana at first base. I got Jason Kipnis at second. Jose Ramirez at third base. Uh, with Lindor being injured right now, I, th- I think what they're going to do is keep both uh, Max Moroff as well as Eric Stamets. I think they'll end up keeping both of them, one to be your starting shortstop and one to be that utility guy. It's no good that I have never heard either of those names before. Yeah, Stamets has been in the uh, minor leagues for quite a while in, in Cleveland's minor league system. Moroff, we just got in a trade last year for Eric Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So... You know, eh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Right. Um, outfield, I got Leonis Martin, Greg Allen, Jake Bowers, Tyler Naquin, and I could not decide on the last one. I, it's either going to be Jordan Luplo or it's going to be Trace Thompson. I'm, I'm not sure what direction exactly they're leaning towards that. Right. So we'll have to we'll have to check that out and see. Um, and then I, I got Hanley Ramirez making the DH. I, I'm hoping that's just uh you know hopefully that's something that he turns on the switch and becomes at least somewhat of a threat as a hitter but we'll, we'll see i don't I, I don't know um and then starting pitchers is pretty obvious you got kluber trevor bauer carlos carrasco mike clevenger and shane bieber now let me ask you this and mm-hmm. it was something that was kind of interesting that they Terry Francona seemed a little non-committal on if Kluber was going to start day one. I don't know if that was just something that's being overblown or if maybe there's some serious consideration in throwing Bauer out there. Now, personally, it's the first game of the year. It's not a big deal. I think Kluber earned the right to go out there and throw first. But I wonder you know, if they're thinking about switching that up. Uh, for any reason at all. I mean, they yeah. probably wanted to wait and let him get get his uh his start in or if he already did, I don't, I'm not sure, but I think to me personally, it doesn't matter who starts opening day because, you know, the spring training schedule could kind of mess with that. Right. Um you don't want to rush people, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh I would I'm more concerned about who starts the uh playoff series your number one starter should be your the guy who leads the playoff series. So, sure, and that I mean that'll be determined by how they played you know, exactly. throughout the years. So. Right, exactly. But if you're tell if you're telling me I need to have my best pitcher 
out there first. Yeah, I am going to go Bauer. I think Bauer's taking that step. I think he is actually better than Kluber now. Hopefully, they're still both Cy Young candidates, and yeah. hopefully Cookie can stay healthy, and Clevenger kind of takes that next step. And I mean, we have you know one of, if not the best, starting pitching staff in the entire uh, definitely you know, league. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think it's a big deal either mm-hmm. way. Um, but then the bullpen, I have Adam Simber, John Edwards, Tyler Olson, Dan Ortero, uh, Oliver Perez, and Neil Ramirez with Brad Hand as the closing pitcher. And that's your 25-man is my prediction for it. Um, obviously, that bullpen sounds pretty shaky at best. A little bit. So little I'm hoping a uh, trade deadline, they're able to add an arm or two. Uh, we did sign Tyler Clippard, who uh, has a pec strain, I mm-hmm. believe. So they released him and then re-signed him to a minor league deal. Okay. So... Maybe see if he can get healthy and then contribute on later on in the year. Uh, we also made a trade this past offseason for Nick Whitgren, who is going to be in the minors, and hopefully uh, if there is an injury, he's ready to step up for that. So, but, you know, some I mean, there's a lot of names missing from that opening 25-man roster. Yeah, we got, uh, got a lot of guys trying to heal up and – yeah, back. a couple guys who are going to be sooner. Obviously, we know like Lindor, and then there's going to be a couple guys. You know, we're looking later in the year, mid-season kind of things. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, go ahead and. Yeah. So ahead. I mean, we've already talked about Frankie. We talked about Carlos Gonzalez. We talked about Zimmer, and even Eric Haas. Those are all guys that will see time in the the majors at one point this year. Right. Um. Danny Salazar. I, we've talked about him before. It all depends on if he can stay healthy. I don't know where they're – they don't give a whole on, lot of updates with him, so I don't know where he's at health-wise. Yeah, I think it depends on if he can get healthy Yeah, in right. the first place. I mean, like you said, I, I haven't heard anything about it. He's, I feel like he's been out for like three years. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And you don't know why or you don't know what's going on. So that and that, that situation is very peculiar. So. Yeah, that, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. If he can mm-hmm. be healthy, he could be a good uh, bullpen arm. Uh, Nick Goody as well. We had him. Uh, he only pitched, I believe, 12 games maybe last year. Yeah. Uh, but they ended up avoiding arbitration and re-signing him. So we'll see if he can make an impact once he's healthy. Uh, it looks like he's going to be making a return early to midsummer. Uh, and then another guy who is not on the list because of injury, it's because He's a younger player who's still new to the position. Is Oscar Mercado, Mercado? Right. He had 400 in spring training. He's a center fielder. He's only been in center field since uh, 2017. They actually drafted him as a shortstop in the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they switched him over to center field. Very good hitter. Very good speed and range. I think he's still a little raw in center field in general. But I think he put himself in a position where if there is an injury on in the outfield, he might end up being first man up. Yeah, it looks like he played really well, earned himself a look for sure. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Zimmer is very injury prone, so is Naquin. We don't know what we're going to get from Bowers, Thompson, or Leplo at this moment. Martin had that scary health situation last year. So I, I – Unfortunately, I feel like Mercado Mercado is going to have uh, an opportunity and somewhat early on to 
uh, make an impact. A uh, little minor tidbit here, just real quick. North Dakota State is beating Duke 12-5 to early on. How big of an upset would that be? Would that be the biggest upset you've ever seen? Uh, yeah, probably, uh, probably, but the, I'm just basing that off of, I haven't seen that many or paid attention to that many. Yeah, but you know, but that's, this is one I would be very aware of. Right. Exactly. And I would definitely understand the impact of that for sure. So, hmm, interesting. Uh, but I don't see it happening. Let's yeah, we'll it, see. We'll there's, see. There's what? 13 minutes left. <laughs> Plenty game. of time. Yeah. Plenty of time. Right. Barely into it. So, yeah. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, I mean, definitely key things to look out for with this roster. Can Hanley Ramirez find his groove? Can his mm-hmm. bat speed get up to par? Uh, will Francona go with an older veteran rather than a young guy? Uh, Francona is very loyal to his veterans and guys he's known. Uh, so that will be interesting. If Perez and Pulawecki struggle, especially uh, the hitting aspect, we know Perez is a pretty good defender. Uh, does he make a move to go to Eric Haas, who seems like he's knocking on the door to the majors? And, you know, if... Our outfielders are struggling. Does a guy like Oscar Mercado end up making that jump from the minors into the majors just to give a, a fresh face and see if we can, you know, kind of catch lightning in a bottle and have him build off his summer or his uh, spring training? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about positioning, but I mean, Martin is somebody we didn't really get to take advantage of last year, like you, like you mentioned, he had that sickness, but I mean that. He was really, really good pickup for us, and we just yeah. never really got to see what he can do. So he's a very good center fielder. Very good. Um, so we'll, hopefully, now, his health is behind him, and he can. You is know. it going to be an issue when Bradley Zimmer comes back because he kind of played that center field role too? Are they going to be able to get them both out there at the same time? That's a honestly, that's a great question, and one that I don't have an answer for. Because I'm looking at if if you just take four and add in, you know, one consider one of the guys as depth. I mean, once you have Martin. As Zimmer comes back and he's looking good, Bowers and Naquin as maybe like a, a role guy, and then you know throw in one more of them as yeah, a rotation. You still guy. got Carlos Gonzalez out there too, you know. Exactly. So it 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 looks a little shaky now, but with Zimmer back, if he's playing well and Martinez playing well, playing to his ability, there's potential out there at the very least. I mean, I'm just I'm scared because Zimmer is obviously you know, injury prone. He's pretty reckless out in center field. I mean, which is great to see, you know, he puts his body on the line, Mm -hmm. but I'm also worried about just him as an offensive weapon. I don't know how he'll be able to, he needs to really improve hitting major league pitching in order to succeed. And so, Na- and Naquin's kind of been very up and down as well. Yeah, like Naquin's had, very yeah very he's inconsistent. He's points, the, but very inconsistent. Yeah, he's like a poor man's Chetty Osman. Like he's very <laughs> inconsistent, but he's got potential. Still, he's still kind of younger. It's funny because it looks like he grew up so quickly. Like when he when we first brought him up, he just looked like such a fresh young kid. And yeah, then he grew right. a beard, and now he just looks like a a grizzled vet. Like right, it, it's it's crazy what that'll do to you. I can't grow one, unfortunately. Yeah, so, I got, I'm, I'm rocking one right now. I'm, actually, I'm yeah. stuck baby face probably for the rest of my life. Yeah, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited though. Uh, I'm, I I actually uh, have the MLB the show pre ordered. Yeah, I believe that comes out on uh, March 26. So here yeah. in a few days, so. I might I might join in on that. I haven't gotten them in a while. I've my when I lived with, with my brother, he was a big MLB the show player. Like he he, he got everyone. He played them forever. So I, I, I'd play his from time to time, but I'm thinking about getting it too. So, hmm. You know, they took away online franchise mode. 
Did they really? Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? Yeah. I mean, no bueno. all these, no uh, not, bueno. to, not to get too How sidetracked, but all these, like, sports games especially mm-hmm. are all, you know, trying to hit that microtransactions, getting that extra money from, yeah. you know, your my player, road to the show, you know, whatever it is. And it, it really, I mean, you're taking away a lot of modes and fundamental things from games that are... Yeah, 2K is so bad. NBA oh, yeah. 2K. Um, Madden... I don't really consider Madden as much, but that might just be the way I play it. I don't play like the mutt cards and that that kind of stuff. No, not I really. I strictly play franchise, which everything that entails in that is completely free. So Madden for the win in that in that regard. Um, it's also so we're kind of getting into a video game talk here. We're gonna move on in a second, but um, next year Madden is I hear I heard putting a lot more focus into like a my player mode again and trying to revamp that which i'm super excited for that's something that's really been dolled out by the franchise mode see i just i don't know like there's small little things that drive me nuts about madden like for example you have a 53 man roster but on game days you dress what 46 47 i think it's 47 yeah but i mean i guess if they really wanted to they could probably dress all 53 but it's just something you just don't do because it's well really like the, the league rule is you're supposed to, you can't dress everybody you have to you know knock off like what a six or seven guys whatever it is yeah but like that's not even an option madden have an ncaa not be a video game anymore just totally kills my soul as well i absolutely hate that i can't be the, the ohio state buckeyes or uh you know start a dynasty or Whatever, you know, it may be. So that that sucks. I, I hate that. See, my issues with it, the one being, like I said, the, the franchise mode kind of taking away the my player mode, which is was my favorite part of it. I loved, I think it was Madden 07 or something like that. You would you'd do, like, my player, and you actually, like, picked your two parents and their professions, and their per, like that determined what your stats were. So yeah. you, you kept re-rolling and re-rolling until your mom was an Olympic sprinter and your dad was a track and field star. So you yeah, could make a, court, cool. a Michael yeah. Vick quarterback. So they need to – Not obviously that's outdated, but I, I really hope they do put that into it, have a more like 2K, my player kind of deal for the football game. My other issues with it are not really like details like that, but – I mean, gameplay issues, you need some pocket movement. You need to be yeah. able to, like, flick the joystick to be able to step up and avoid, like, a rush or something well, like that. Well, one of my favorite things to do was uh, creating your own plays in Madden. That was, oh, see, I, you know, I, I never did that. Yeah, like, I would take my youth playbook when I was, you know, back in sixth grade. I would create mm-hmm. my own plays and then, you know, do it on Madden. That was such a cool, fun, unique thing, and you can't even do that now. Yeah, I would just create a team with, like, and just like custom all the players to all the people on my my youth football yeah, team. Yeah, right. So that was, yeah, yeah, and you could do your own playbook, or you know, I, I come just, on, Madden, step it up. Yeah, right. All right, so. that. So we got kind of away, but that's gonna wrap up the Indians, and we're gonna say Indians slash uh, video game video talk. Games, right. Right. So when we get back, it is time to get back to the Browns. We we've been talking nothing but them for the last two episodes, so not as much on them today. So stick around and you'll hear hear what we got. Firing, he's going for Landry down by the end zone, a tumbling catch for a touchdown. Being a Cleveland Brown is way more than just playing football. It's about being enough. 
All right, Dog Pound, it's time to get into your Cleveland Browns. We are going to start off the Browns segment today talking about our newest addition, offensive lineman Brian Witzman. Woo! Uh, he is entering his fifth year in the league. Big boy, big boy, six foot seven, three hundred twenty pounds. Uh, he signed with Houston as an undrafted free agent in twenty fourteen. Started twenty of thirty seven career games with Kansas City and Chicago. So. Another John Dorsey guy. Yeah. He, he yeah, loves just scouring through his, his old own picks guys. that he, nobody wants anymore. Yeah, he trusts well, he trusts himself, you know. Right. He uh believes in his talent evaluation and even if it's guys that he, he hasn't had for a couple years, he still believes in them. Yeah, so just adding some depth that looks like to the line. I don't know if he's going to be somebody who's really going to be competing for a starting job. Honestly, he might not even make the team, if we're being right. honest. This just seems like a camp body, uh, sure. somebody Dorsey's familiar with, and kind of gives him a chance. Which we're going to start seeing some of those. Um, but, I mean, he did start nine games for Chicago last year. I'm kind of wondering did if he took over for Eric Cush, maybe? Because we uh, talked about him because he played for Chicago last year as well, correct? Correct. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he. I'm not sure actually. That's a good. That's a great question. So maybe, Something so we should look into. Possibly we we'll have to look into it. But possibly who uh, another edition got benched for. So we'll see how that goes. Um, he's not really like like we we're saying. Uh, Pro Football Focus has him below average, uh, 49.8 grade. That's the 65th ranked guard. Um, so nothing nothing special there. Nothing to write home about. But like like Mark said, probably just a camp body, um, and we're going to be seeing a lot of those signings probably start to pop up. Probably some guys here, like who the hell is that guy? You know exactly. I mean? Some some yeah. no names. So that's the newest addition. Um, now we're going to get into some of you know what we think are the big needs, the some of the holes still left on the roster. Some maybe not you know at like a starting position, but maybe some other positions where we also could use some depth. Um, so we're going to start off on the offensive side of the ball. Mark, you want to get it rolling? Yeah, sure. So I think, again, these aren't exactly maybe needs per se, but positions we think could either have a little bit of an upgrade, add a body there, uh, so on and so forth. Sure. Uh, so first, uh, probably a fifth or sixth receiver. Mm -hmm. Uh Obviously, our room is crazy talented right now with Odell, Jarvis, Higgins, and Callaway. Mm -hmm. uh, Jalen Strong and Damian Ratley, I think, both have the inside edge for a uh, fifth and sixth spot. And uh, you could also look at a guy like Ricardo Lewis coming off of injury. Yep. Uh, but I would like to see them take a shot in the anywhere from the fifth or sixth or seventh round. Uh, there's two different type of players that they could go for. One would be a developmental guy. Jalen Hurd comes to mind. A uh, freakish athlete who just made the transition over to receiver at Baylor. Former running back. Very he's just he's a football player. Very, very good. Right. If he kind of, you know, gets his craft and really works hard at it, I think he could be a pretty good receiver. But he's a guy that would be worth taking a shot. Or a guy who I uh, this guy is going to go earlier, but a guy maybe like Terry McLaurin, mm -hmm. special teams guy, special teams demon <clears throat> at Ohio State. 
Uh, he would be a great guy to kind of develop as well. There's a guy out of Georgia State named Penny Hart who would be a pretty good option as a punt and kick returner. So he might be a guy that they look into in a later round, trying to develop into maybe a, a slot guy or things like that. Um, when they do decide to move on from that big Jarvis Landry contract, a guy like Penny Hart could possibly uh, step up and fill that void. So I wouldn't be surprised if they took a, another receiver, even with the addition of Odell. Yeah, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt to take a, a flyer on a guy in a late round, even if it only ends up being like a camp body type of guy. But yeah. I think... If you do got, get somebody like I, I agree, I really like Jalen Hurd too. So if that's somebody who's sitting there, maybe in the fifth round or something like that, if we swooped him up, he you know he could make the the bottom of the depth chart there. And like, and, what if Odell gets hurt? Because I mean, Odell's not exactly been the most reliable in terms of injury. I mean, let's be honest here. Sure, I mean you, you always have you that, need depth. that worry of injury, so it's, it never hurts to add you know some quality whether you know quality depth or you know some potential kind of guys to you know who if they get a shot there's a good chance that or you know some chance that they make something of it and yeah right and play well um speaking of pass catchers uh, another you know spot we had on this list was uh kind of like a third string tight end just adding some more depth to that position now you were saying that you think in this scenario we should be moving devalve probably to like the fullback kind of role yeah i and think i think the valve is like an h-back fullback type of guy uh can lead block but i i think the browns are going to go with a lot of uh one running back personnel or even if they do go with two running backs it'll be a combination of duke chubb and or hunt uh depending on obviously what they do with duke so the valve i think as a pass catcher coming out of the backfield would be very a very sneaky good option for sure. And Harris, as good of a blocker as he is, uh, not the best hands either. So adding competition for that number two, number three tight end spot, I think would be a pretty smart idea. Yeah, I agree. Um, another spot you didn't initially mention, but I wanted to throw in there. Yeah, I think we disagree on this. And yeah, I've said it before. I'm not in love with our our offensive line, but more particularly the tackle positions. Greg Robinson stepped in for Harrison, who wasn't playing well early on, and he played well at the end of the year. And Chris Hubbard, he he was kind of both sides of that. You know, the beginning of the year, he wasn't very good and then improved. But I think that was more a reflection of the change in the offense by Freddie Kitchens and the play of Baker Mayfield getting rid of the ball quicker and just how that offensive cha- offense changed. I don't know if those guys are really going to be that steady going into this year i don't think that's something you can at least count on okay and i think the potential is there for sure but i just don't think it's something we can be sure about and because of that i wouldn't mind them going you know throwing a some money in a one-year contract to donald penn um that's somebody i think who could come in and be a really solid more sure like left tackle he played right tackle last year and he didn't you know he wasn't very good but I think that was more of a result him of him being so used to the left tackle position and then getting moved to right when they drafted you know their young left tackle last year for the Raiders so I think once he became available I think we should give him a shot you know 
give give him one year contract, come in the left tackle position, and make the guys like you know Greg Robinson, Chris Hubbard, and Desmond Harrison compete for that right tackle job, and yeah, that's that's my thought on it. Yeah, I I disagree. I think one thing to keep in mind with Zeitler moving to New York and Corbett stepping in, I don't want to do a total revamping of the offensive line. Second half of the year, once Freddie took over, really showed uh, his kind of offensive genius in terms of getting the ball out quick. Obviously, Bigger had a huge part of that as well. I I don't feel comfortable totally putting in new players at the offensive line. I think Robinson was good enough, definitely in the second half of the season, once he took over for Harrison. Uh, I think Hubbard is, I mean, he's getting paid quite a bit of money. So I would not like to pay a swing tackle as much money as Hubbard would be getting sure. if he did not win that spot. Um, Harrison's not ready, so See, I, I I don't, don't know. I think he got a real crap end of the deal last year because he I really, sucked. I really yeah. no because yeah. the whole offensive line sucked the first half of the year, and he just so happened because he got hurt, and then he never got his chance to come back in when. The, the whole everything was working when the offense changed. And I think that was the biggest, biggest thing. Not the players just magically got better or Greg Robinson changed the whole look of the offense. I think if Desmond Harrison, if, if roles were flipped, the offensive line would have been just as bad with bad with Greg Robinson at the left tackle position early in the season. And I think if Harrison was thrown in there after we got rid of Hugh Jackson and the offense kind of switched up the way Freddie decided to, to change things, I think he would have held his own and done just as well. So I would really like to see him get a real shot. If we if we don't go the route of Donald Penn, which I'm not like t- totally sold on it. Like I'm not saying that's what we need to do. I'm saying that's an option I wouldn't just immediately scoff at. But see, no, I, I would I, really like to at least give Harrison a real shot to win like the right tackle job, maybe if you do want to keep uh Robinson at left. I I guess it's really just Hubbard is just too mediocre for me, and I think Harrison's got that potential. And I think if Freddie knows how to set things up to be friendly for the line and Baker does what he was doing, I think putting Harrison at the right tackle position could be a really good option as well. See, I I totally – here's what I would do. I would roll with Harrison, Robinson, Hubbard as your three tackles this year. Robinson at left, Hubbard at right, Harrison is your swing guy. Still develop Harrison. Next year, if Hubbard is still mediocre to below average, we have a way better out in his contract next year than we would this year. So we move on from uh, Hubbard next year. We, we you know save a bunch of money in the cap space area because although it seems like we have a decent amount now, we're pretty tight in the money aspect. Oh at yeah, the when moment. it comes time to pay Miles Garrett, and then the year after right. that, Baker and, Mayfield and Denzel Ward. We're going to start getting tight, so we have to definitely be very careful. I don't think we're really in trouble yet, but... It, it can get there very quickly. Oh, it can happen very fast. And if Robinson, depending on if he pans out or not, could always re-sign him, could always draft a developmental guy this year in like the fifth round. Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of different options. I wouldn't I think- even mind if, if maybe somebody slid that they really like if if we had to grab someone in the second or third round the only way i would move on from hubbard this year would be to 
uh, make a trade if somebody needs yeah. a right tackle. Otherwise, I keep the tackles as is and then look to improve next year. Okay. So Fair enough. Fair but, enough. Uh, yeah, moving on to the defensive side. Uh, I still think we definitely need some defensive tackle depth. Uh, Ogunjobi and Richardson are definitely going to be your two starters. Uh, and then right now we have Carl Davis, Brian Price, and uh, Travion Coley as your depth. I don't know if the term transferred to the transfers to the defensive side of the ball, but what about if we do decide to keep Ogba, him being like, I'm using the term swing guy between yeah. being able to, you know, be depth inside and outside. That's definitely an option for sure. I just seems like all the smoke kind of going on though, with Ogba being traded, it just seems like between him and Duke. Both of them are probably gone. I think I think Agba more than Duke, but yeah. I, I I mean I could see a, a scenario where both are traded or you know one or the other. But I think if if it was one or another, I would bet more on Agba being the one being traded. But um. yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's guys like in the third and fourth round that I really like. Michael Dogby from Temple is a freak of nature. He's definitely a guy to keep your eye on in maybe the fourth or fifth round. Yeah. Kalen Saunders is a total beast. Uh, he could be a third-round guy. Uh, and even like a guy like Draymond Jones from Ohio State, he would be a guy I would definitely take a look at if he's uh, there in the second or the third. So this draft class has a lot of defensive line talent, so I would definitely – be okay with taking a guy kind of early on and uh you know depending on richardson how he works out we can get out of his contract after a year as well so yeah. if for whatever reason it doesn't work out with richardson then there we go wow duke and north dakota state are tied at 24 with like three minutes left in the half yeah we got Jeez. we got the tournament on so getting, yeah sorry some, if uh we just randomly late, yeah break some, some late live updates i mean this is, this is all going to be history by the time this comes out but right you're still hearing our reaction to it um but moving on to the next position which is one of the more obvious uh ones on this list yep uh the linebacker position um, definitely still looking for a, a more like primary left outside linebacker or right outside linebacker. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking is. more for like a strong, uh, strong side or a Sam linebacker. Right. Definitely. Um, we have guys on the roster that could, you know, hold down that role. Um, Avery, I would, I would love for him to get that shot to be on the field in a, in a starting yeah, capacity. He, he definitely needs to take that next step. Absolutely. He's, I mean, he. it's well known he's a very good get-to-the-quarterback type of guy. His coverage was very bad last year, so hopefully he's kind of mm -hmm. taking those next steps in order to, you know, take a take a nice step to be, being more of a complete linebacker. Right, and if we don't, if they don't really see him as that, they want to keep him as uh, more of like a pr primarily an edge rusher. I really like the idea of them trading for Sean Lee. Darren Lee. Darren Lee, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Sean Lee's the, the Cowboys the, guy. The white linebacker for, yeah, Dallas, who's yeah, uh, sorry, 97 my, my roommate's old. a Cowboys fan. I know all about Sean Lee. Yeah, I have him right. in my head. But, yeah, Darren Lee, I'm sorry, uh, for the Jets. Yeah, because I, I think that would be a really good move, and I don't think we'd have to give up too much to get him. No, I think uh, a potential Lee for Ogba type of trade would benefit both teams. Uh, for us, Lee would slide into that will position, and then I think Kirksey played some uh, Sam, yeah. uh, strong linebacker at Iowa, 
So, you know, they can I, I think that would and... be really nice. And then that gives Avery some another year to develop and, you know, kind of learn the ropes of being a strong linebacker and a 4-3 defense. Still yeah, give that... him time to, you know, go get the quarterback as well. Yeah, and that lets him kind of – he's that depth role for multiple positions at that point. He's kind right. of, you know, your, yeah. your rotational – defensive end but also you know you can throw him back in the the linebacker position if you need him to step up into that role as well exactly yeah, and darren lee you know i i don't i hate using this but be, seeing an ohio state guy come back to ohio would be pretty cool too that was, that was probably the best part of bringing in carlos hyde yeah well yeah it wasn't his play that's for sure but yeah right no, I, I I liked I liked that move when we brought him in. He he was he was real solid. But I, let's, I let's liked not get it. Too caught up. I liked it bef- because we signed him before we drafted Chubb. Oh yeah, before we drafted Chubb, and even after, like I didn't know Chubb was going to be that good. I mean, we drafted him uh, in the second round. So I I I was a I, fan of Chubb. I I really liked his game. Right. But um, so anyways, so uh, second to last position here that we have is cornerback. Now, you could debate it all day long. Terrence Mitchell looked pretty good in the first half of the year before he had his wrist injury. TJ Carey had his moments. Uh, it looks like we're going to let EJ Gaines walk. We don't have – it does does not seem like we're going to re-sign him, but we did re-sign Philip Gaines. So um, for do a you, second, I thought they were the same person. Yeah, for right some now. reason, yeah. like he just went by Philip and EJ. But no, no. Okay, no. I'm glad you clarified that yeah. they're different, so I didn't so, sound stupid. So, do you think we need a number two corner, or are you comfortable with a combination of Mitchell, Carey, Gaines, and even maybe like a Howard Wilson if he ends up being healthy this year? You're not going to be perfect at every position on your team, and we are pretty close. We got a, we are really strong at a lot of positions. I think that's that's one where you can give Mitchell one more year, see if he can see if he can show whether he is or not. And if if not, that's something maybe you can you know, that's one of the positions you look at next year's draft mm-hmm. and maybe look at a, a guy high in next year's draft to take your shot at something like that. So I think I don't think we need to bring in any anybody right now. I think I could see us bringing in maybe more depth guys, some you know maybe a, um, a slot guy, but we you know we we also already have guys on the team like that. I'm willing to give Terrence Mitchell uh, another season to see if he can replicate what he did early on last year. Because if that's the case, then he could be that number two. You know, sure. Here here's where I stand. Um, seems like the theme tonight. I disagree. Actually, I I would love to see them add a cornerback in the second round. There's a, a lot of depth in this class at the position. Justin Lane, kid from Ohio, he went to Michigan State. He actually just tweeted he wanted he's begging the Browns to come up and get him in the draft. Yes. I think he would be a great fit in that Steve Wilkes defense opposite of Ward. So um, Johnny Manziel. No, nah, whatever. He's not trying to wreck the league or anything. But um, you got a guy from Notre Dame, Julian Love, would be a nice fit. I love Rocky Sin. <laughs> best name in the entire draft. Yeah. Uh, he would be a guy who would be available in the second and possibly the third even. Um, and then there's Michael Jackson from the U, who I think in the fourth <laughs> or fifth – oh, boy. Uh, in the fourth or fifth round, I think would be even a, a nice guy to have. Um, TJ Carey, we can get out of his contract uh, with some saving some money after next year, which Carey plays mostly in the slot. 
So I could see them potentially targeting more of a slot guy if they believe Mitchell can be the number two. But I think if they could add Lane or Yasin or I guess even Jackson later, I think that would be a great get for us. But okay. yeah. So the last position we'll take a look at here is uh, the strong safety position. Uh, and actually, you could even include free safety there. Uh, strong safety, I think we're missing a starter. Kindred's okay, but I believe he's in the final year of his contract. Um, and then free safety, as of right now, behind Randall, I think we have Jermaine Whitehead, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Body Calhoun is now with the Houston Texans. So, uh, you know, I we have talked previously, you and I, off-air about signing a guy like Eric Berry or signing a guy like trey boston sure uh barry's obviously very well known uh from dorsey as well as just you know just general nfl knowledge i mean barry was one of the if not the best at his position when he was healthy right and trey boston's a really underrated guy he played for steve wilkes both in carolina and arizona so it would make sense familiarity with boston Uh, i know you're a big barry guy though so do you still want us to take a look at him yeah, just because I don't think he he's going to cost too much, but either him or Boston are going to do. I mean, they're both really good, but I mean Barry Barry is his his being very good is also very conditional and that right. that condition is if he can stay on the field. Um obviously he's had different types of cases keeping him off the field, one beating cancer and Man. the other just being other injuries. So you know, it's hit or miss with him. At least if you look, if you go back and look at his couple last couple of years. But if you think you're getting a healthy Eric Berry, I think it's a really good option. And you know, if you do decide to go that route, you could look to pick up a safety in the second or third round early in the draft. Yeah, just as some kind of insurance to him, somebody you like and think maybe you don't necessarily want to have him start right away. But if something happens with Eric Berry, he can step into that role and hold it down. Yeah, so I think the direction they might be thinking if they do decide to sign a guy like Eric Berry, uh, Berry's usually a strong safety. So if uh, you have a strong safety of Kindred as well as Berry, kind of rotate them in and out, make sure Berry stays fresh. Uh, They might look into the later rounds to add a free safety depth behind Randall. However, if they end up going with Trey Boston, he's more of a free safety Randall would end up being moved over to strong safety, and I think that kind of uh, pushes Kindred definitely a little bit lower behind the depth chart, won't get as much playing time, and they would still, I think, regardless, have to sign or draft a uh, free safety. So a couple names, if they don't sign a free agent, it looks like they're going to go just purely the draft. Juan Thornhill, uh, former cornerback, going to strong safety. Uh, John Abram from Mississippi State is probably the hardest hitter in the draft. Uh, Amani Hooker from Iowa, who's got some good uh, ball skills as well as good tackling ability. And Taylor Rapp. So uh, Rapp is from Washington. He's pretty much like uh, very similar to Peppers in that regard. Okay. So those are just some guys that could be there in the second or third round. I don't think you'd have to trade up for any of them. Uh, maybe Thornhill. Uh, I think a lot of media, at least, is starting to catch on at 
as Thornhill being a, a player. Um, so those are guys I would definitely te- keep an eye on in the second or third round. Uh, I think I'm going to probably release a, another mock draft here in the next couple of weeks, and I'll definitely do one a day or two before the draft. Um, but, yeah, those are positions. And, I, I mean, we could also throw in kicker there, but you can you can find kickers in free agency or the draft. Uh, I wouldn't waste a draft pick on one. Last time we did, it did not work out very well with Zane Gonzalez. So, but yeah, yeah, I would. You know, that's one position we kind of we didn't touch on last last week uh, mm-hmm. in the free agents. How are we not looking at one of these kickers like Guskowski or Dan Bailey? Uh, or how Guskowski? Uh, Guskowski is probably looking for a lot of money. Sure, like, and but he even I had would, a down year last year, right? Which I I'm not even as worried about him. I mean, he was just one of the names, but there's a couple good out there. But I I think my favorite would be Dan Bailey. Yeah, I mean, he's he's still more of a name guy. I mean, he was cut from Dallas, and but he was solid. With he Dallas. was, yeah, but in in Minnesota, he was fine. But you know, with our offense and hopefully a step up in defense, we kicker should not even have to be a worry. Yeah, but if you look at like. I mean, Greg Joseph, he had a couple, I think he had a rocky start and then kind of straightened out. But his even the kicks he made, more than half of them were just so sideways and wobbly and line drives just squeezing through the bottom corner. I don't want that. I want yeah. a kicker where every kick looks consistent, has that that arc, that backspin, and even if he misses them, they look good. Yeah, I... Uh- They'll definitely bring in competition, so yeah. I don't think that's Joseph anything you have to worry about. Joseph kicks knuckleballs. Right. Yeah, but, well. <laughs> they're, you know. they're wobbly, and you don't know where they're going. Yeah, d- don't and worry. I'm, they I'm will definitely bring that. in competition. That's, so that, that's I think that, well, you know, you, you don't want it to be a big impact, but that's, you know, definitely one piece of a winning formula is having a very steady and consistent kicker. You know, somebody who's going to make sure in those tight spots when at the end of the game you have to get up to the 40-yard line and then, you know, they have to make the kick to be able to win the game. Hopefully we're scoring 50 and not even having to worry about it, right? Well, yeah, you'd like you'd like that, but how many times yeah. has, has Tom Brady, they got, you know, went down by one or two points and his fourth quarter comeback was more of a result of him driving – 40 or 50 yards to get sure in that in that range and then the kicker doing the rest of the work uh, you know Tom Brady gets the credit for getting them in range and you know but you have to give the credit to the kicker who's you know Guskowski who was consistently making those kicks and winning those games wasn't uh Greg Joseph a rookie last year he was okay so why but, can't why can't he improve just like Baker will improve or just like Nick Chubb will improve why can't he why can't Greg Joseph do that He's only 24. I, I don't I don't know how how kickers develop, but I just don't like the look of wobbly kicks, and I don't know how much you can or can't fix. Give that. him time. Give him time. Let him let him try and give, uh, give Zane Gonzalez some time. I like yeah. Zane Gonzalez. He had a cool name. Yeah, he kind of. <laughs> yeah, he had a, about, a rough. Uh, yeah, Cody Parkey, who, who whose career was ruined because we brought him in in one day before before a game, and he was never able to get. You know, set up, and now what? He's kicking for. Oh uh, well, 
he did kind of crappy for the Bears. Didn't yeah, he he, he kind of yeah. ruined their season. So yeah, let's not use that as right as an it, example. It, the kicker position will be fine. That's not something you're gonna have to. You need to stress out about. Sure. So. Well, that's that's gonna do it for our Browns talk. We're gonna take one more quick break, and we'll be back to finish off the episode with our games of the week and our hot takes. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, so now we're going to do our games of the week here uh, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This Tuesday, the 26th, they take on the Boston Celtics at home. Thursday, the 28th, they travel out to San Antonio and take on the Spurs. And uh, Saturday, the 30th, they're going to be out in L.A. taking on the Clippers. So that's three uh, playoff teams right now. Uh, Pretty tough stretch for the Cavs. And then UFC on Saturday, UFC Fight Night 148 on ESPN+. Plus. You got the main event of Steven Thompson versus Anthony Pettis. That'll be a pretty good fight. I'm, I think I'm going to go with Thompson on that one. Curtis Blades versus Justin Willis. I'm going to go Curtis Blades rebounding from being knocked out from Ngannou. I think Blades' is, wrestling is very good. I think he'll be able to handle Willis there. Uh, they got a lot of upcoming fighters as well uh, on this card. They have Macy Barber. Who's a very talented fighter. Uh, she looked great in her last outing. Uh, Luis Pena and Davison Figueredo. He's the number one flyweight right now, undefeated. So those are definitely some up and risers. Keep your eye on there. And then, of course, uh, you got the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 games being played next week from Thursday through Sunday. There's obviously so many games yet to be decided as well. Uh, but that's definitely something to keep an eye on for this uh, next weekend. Oh my god! Uh, oh my god! Fire! Oh, fire! Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the procedure, everyone? Calm. What's the procedure? Stay calm! Wait, 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 wait. All right. Last but not least, our hot takes of the week. Brandon, would you like me to start? Or yeah, go would ahead. You, like to, you want me to? I have no factual data behind this. I have no reasoning. Let's just call it a hunch. I'm going to say that Shane Bieber will have a better year this year than Corey Kluber will. No. Uh, it's That's a hot take. That's a hot I, take. Yeah, I think he, Bieber he showed a lot of. last year. Kluber's just... He, I don't. He's been good, but he just still worries me a little bit. Got, I think gotta, he, the gotta, injury thing. You gotta, is, you gotta forget about playoff Kluber. He's gonna be back to regular season. Wouldn't, Kluber. wouldn't you and then, be and thrilled? Then wouldn't you be thrilled if Bieber was better than Kluber I next could, year? Well, sure. Well, but Kluber, that that would mean you know. Well, I would hope that would be a result of. Bieber just being really, really good instead of it being a result of Kluber being uh-huh. really, really bad. Just remember but, this. We'll see. Let's see if what Bieber does. I just I, I, call I it a, again. It, call it a hunch, but I could see it like happening in the playoffs. Like if you're if they made a, like a deep playoff run where you had like a legit mm-hmm. ability to like compare. But yeah, that that that's quite an interesting take from you. Um, mine. In some ways, I feel like it's a hot take, and some I feel like it comes up short. Doesn't live up to the hype. LeBron James isn't a top five player in the NBA right now. How do you? Why do you figure that? Now I'm this. This is not talking about overall career legacy. Anything like that. But 
and maybe the ability is still there, but the effort that he's been giving, and sure, he can easily throw up 25 points and 8 rebounds, 8 assists on a consistent basis, but I think the, the impact that we've seen in the last few years that he can have on a team, being able to will a team, he's just not doing that right now. And hmm. I know the Lakers are just a bunch of young players, and it's not all on him. And that's what I said a lot. That was my biggest excuse when he was in Cleveland. But I think there's other guys around the league who are just playing better and having a bigger impact on their teams. Guys like James Harden. I I hate to say this, and this isn't any particular order between these guys. Okay, But Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. Greek Freak. Giannis is one of them. Paul George. Paul. That's my five. Yeah. And there's probably a couple more. But if you're talking about the impact that they're having now, taking into account everything, the effort, how the the impact on their team, the numbers they're putting up, he's just yeah. He's I'm, not top five right now. See, I'm not a big LeBron guy, so I, I I'm I'm fully even right behind you. Going into this year. I was like, I'm going to root for LeBron in L.A. Nope. I don't care. But, man, after seeing the toll him moving there took on that team. Now, it wasn't – not that they weren't good they weren't, before yeah, that. Right. But the the fact that they stayed so much the same, adding a talent like that, like the fact that he wasn't able to move that needle like everybody expected it to be. Right. People were saying they were going to be like a four seed. Yeah, people were saying four seed and stuff. It makes you think. So that's 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 my uh, take for the week. A little note before we leave here. We were just talking about you know people make up records and things for uh, the Cavs to break. Yeah, Colin Sexton tonight became the twenty sixth rookie in NBA history to score a thousand points and hit a hundred threes in a season. All right, go Colin Sexton. That's another, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Cavs are being the Clippers right now. Stat. Hmm. Yeah, Cavs are actually killing the Clippers right now, so that's nice to see. Are the Bulls are the Bulls playing anybody? So uh, I don't know. See, I'm about to check. 40, 40 to twenty five at uh, the end of the first. Okay. Um. Ba, ba, ba. Nope. No Bulls tonight. So. We need the if we're gonna win, we need the Bulls to win, so we don't, you know, drop our percentages. What is yeah. it? Two and a half percent. Right. That that, yeah. uh, that two and a half percent could make could a big, big difference. So right. Let's stay away from that. And that's gonna do it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. We want to thank you guys for listening. As always, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages. Both are at Cardiac and Kids. Click follow and like so you can stay updated with the show. On Twitter, we're doing our second giveaway, so make sure you go check out our pinned tweet, retweet it, so you can enter and get a chance to win a Baker equals goat shirt. It's pretty awesome. Uh, we plan to do more giveaways as we grow, so you know, help spread the word. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time.